We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. church in Waco, not in Waco, I'm from Waco, I'm sorry, you mentioned Waco a while ago, Dad, Plano, Texas, where are we even, I got my name right, that's about all I can do these days, Chris Fluitt, and we are Redemption Church in Plano, Texas, and we're in the second week of our series, First Things First. In this series, we are focused on priority and defining what is worthy of first place in our life. I would tell you, that only one thing can be worthy of first place in your life. And, and much of what you see on the internet and what, much, much of what you see on the commercials and, and much of what's trying to get your attention on Netflix right now. Oh, Netflix is real tricky because you just go on Netflix and say, I just want to set up a cartoon for my kids. And they give me five shows to watch right now because everybody is vying for that next first thing. They want to be the next first dollar that you spend. They want to be the next search engine search that you have. They want to be your next click. Everybody is vying for first, but there can only be one first. There's only one, y'all. There's only one. And you got to decide this year what is going to be first in your priority. As we begin this year, we are already asking ourselves, what should we put first? What change should we make first? What should I try to fix and rebuild first. And we're looking through a book that you often, some people don't even know it's in their Bible. It's called Ezra. Everyone say Ezra. It's a powerful book. It's in the Old Testament. And if you think like there are no powerful books in the Old Testament, you are very wrong. And Ezra is one of those that will hit you right in your heart if you let it. Ezra helps us, is going to help us frame our year. Last week, we, we talked about the setting of Ezra. Quick reminder, Israel had come back from 70 years of exile. They had been kicked out of their land for 70 years. And they returned to the capital city of Jerusalem. And that city had been destroyed by an enemy and left to decay for generations. So now you've got destruction mixed with 70 years of just laying in ruin. It was almost as bad as my children's bedroom. The city was a mess. Y'all, I'll take you to my kid's bedroom. <laughs> the city was a mess. The walls were torn down. Houses collapsed on themselves. The roads were, were taken over by nature. Where once stood the temple, the very house of God, it was now destroyed. And Israel stood in the middle of this mess. And they had a where to start moment. And maybe you relate to that. You look at your life right now and it is a mess and it is in such a mess that you wonder, I know I should start, but where should 
I start. And that's the setting of the book of Ezra. Of all the things they could do first, the children of Israel decided to build an altar first. And we encourage you last week, and I want to encourage you again today, to build an altar first. What is an altar? The altar is a place to acknowledge a meeting with God or a cry that such a meeting is necessary. If God is calling you to meet, you make an altar. If you are asking God to meet with you, you make an altar. And as we look at our lives, we see some of the areas that are in just as much turmoil and disrepair as the city of Jerusalem in Ezra. Before you do anything, I mean anything, before you make a big decision, before you start a task, before you take that job, before you date that person, before you react to change, before you do any of those things, you should build an altar first. You can build an altar anywhere at any time. I'm telling you, there have been people that have built an altar in a jail cell. None of their loved ones can get to them, but God got to them right behind those very bars, changed their lives. There are people that are in the foxhole in the middle of a war, and it could have been their dying breath, but God met them when they prayed to him, and an altar was built right there. There are people that think they are just too far from God, but I'm telling you, you are not too far from God. You just need to build an altar because God is on the other side of that altar. You can build an altar anywhere and at any time. And this is my favorite part. It's easy to build an altar. Some things take years to fix, years to rebuild. But a relationship with God can be built very quickly. Altars can be built very quickly. There is no reason for you to leave this place today without a relationship with God. Without building an altar where you meet face to face with God. And last Sunday, we built an altar after service, and we gathered to talk to God and to worship at the end of service. We're going to do that today. And on Tuesday, we we met together at our Tuesday worship night, our first Tuesday worship night, and we built an altar as we met with God there. And we're getting ready to uh, to launch off our uh, connect groups for the year, and together we'll build altars where? In our homes or wherever we're meeting. If we're meeting at the park, we're going to build an altar there. If we're meeting online, we're going to build an altar there all throughout the Metroplex and on the World Wide Web. You you should build an altar every day and everywhere. Today, before we dismiss, we're going to build an altar to the Lord. Israel made use of the altar they had built. The children of Israel made consistent use of the altar. Ezra chapter 3, we're going to read on now to verse 3. Despite their fear of the peoples around them, see they had enemies around them, They built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and evening sacrifices, verse 4. Then accordance with what is written, they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles with the required number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. Verse 5, after that, they presented the regular burnt offerings, the new moon sacrifices and the sacrifices for all the appointed sacred feasts of the Lord, as well as those brought as free will offerings to the Lord. All right, so they are using the altar they built. Verse 6, on the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation 
of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. I want to draw your attention to that. Though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. All right. So guess what? You need to keep coming back to your altar. Your altar is not a one-time experience. There is a real problem in Christianity where we make a one-time prayer that, that, that we invite people to pray one time and then we never tell them that they need to keep praying. It happens all over the Metroplex. We're gonna call for someone to say a sinner's prayer and we're, we're all so congratulatory that someone has done it and we should be congratulatory. We should be rejoicing that someone is coming to the Lord. But guess what? The whole room is then filled with people that prayed that prayer 20 years ago and they don't think they need to pray it again. Wait, it's called a sinner's prayer, right? Any sinners? Anyone fallen short of the glory of God? If it's a sinner's prayer, I think I should be involved in that prayer. Anybody else? If it's a sinner's prayer, sign me up. You got me. I'm dead to rights. I need to pray that prayer all the time, not just once. I need to keep coming back to that altar. So the the children of Israel, they kept coming back to an altar. The altar should not be that one-time experience, but you should keep coming back to the altar. Spoiler alert, before today is over, we're going to invite everyone to make use of that altar. I don't care if it's the thousandth time you've come to an altar. I don't care if it's the first time. I'm going to invite you because you belong at the very altar of God. The altar is not a place reserved for the biggest sinner in the room. It's not. It is reserved for those who long to have a meeting with the Lord of glory. And if that's you, it's for you today. So we need an altar. But this is not all that we need. Israel had an altar, but they still stood in a mess of a city. I want to tell you, this is key. A lot of people, the wreckage of their life brings them to God. But then they think they're going to have like a a, a bewitch, Sabrina. No, wait, wait. What What was her name? Samantha, you know who I'm talking about? She would twickle her nose and something magical would happen or an I dream of genie kind of thing. And I'm sorry, I'm dating myself completely. But they think coming to the Lord, it's gonna immediately fix all the mess. I'm telling you, that is not always the case. God can fix messes and then there's some messes you're gonna have to learn to clean up and he will help you along the way. All right, so guess what? After they built the altar, they still had a mess on their hands, all right? They, uh, it, it, it was God's will to restore the city, just like it is God's will to restore every area of your life, but it is going to take some time. So what should happen next? We're in a mess of a city. We're getting up from that altar. What needs to happen next? We built an altar first. What is the next first thing that we should do? We're going to look at it. Ezra chapter 3, verse 6. Read it again. On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. They had an altar, but they still lacked a temple. Okay. Did they need a temple? Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed to have one. Yeah, they need a temple. Just because they have the altar doesn't mean there's something that needs to be added to their life. Still, things need to be added to your life. They needed a temple if the city were ever to be restored. They needed a temple for the Ark of the Covenant and the dwelling place of God, the Holy 
of holies. The people desired and wanted a place of worship in their life. Yet not only did they lack the temple building, they even lacked the foundation. Did you see that? You read it. Good. Even the foundation of the Lord's temple was not there for them. So I'm going to tell you today, build a foundation first. That's the next first thing that you need to start working on. Before you can build the building, you need a foundation. The most important part of any house or structure is the foundation. The foundation supports the building. The foundation stabilizes the structure. The foundation stands in integrity in, in integrity against the shifting sands and the settling soil. Anybody ever go look for a house? Anybody ever go look for a place to live? You, know, you, you, you go to a house and you're like, whoa, I can see myself in this house. You're like, you drive up and you see the beautiful picture. You, you walk in that living room and go, oh my gosh, I think a 90 inch TV will go right there. I can watch the Cowboys lose in amazing fashion right there, I don't even know the score, guys. I'm so sorry. I, I feel bad. All right. you, you see this house and you see all the things. You go, you go to the kitchen and you see all the, all the, the things like, like, whoa, that is a state-of-the-art faucet right there. And you start going, ka-ching, I'm, I'm liking this place, right? Here's the deal. You, you, you think this way when you go look at a house, but nobody really pays much attention to the foundation. No one wows over the foundation. You, you look around, and if you notice cracks, you go, oh, that's a bad foundation. But if you walk through the house and you see no cracks, you aren't like, we got to get this house. This foundation's amazing. If you turn on HGTV, all those things, nobody's going crazy. They're going crazy over things called shiplap. What's that? I don't know, but they're crazy about it. It's shiplap. It's wood on the walls. Nobody's crazy about the foundation. But I'm telling you, all the shiplap in the world won't make up. For a faulty foundation. So the people in Israel, they wanted to see the building. They wanted it to be beautiful. They wanted it to honor God. But they could not forget about the foundation. There are a lot of lives that have built amazing careers. They have reached heights of success and fame. There are athletes that have achieved near physical condition and accomplished record breaking performances there are people that have gathered material wealth seen dreams realize and received wards and all kinds of accolades we have seen stars on the hollywood walk of fame who tread upon red carpets and they enter their luxury vehicles yet so many of these businessmen athletes and starlets they ultimately fail there wouldn't be a thing called gossip columns if this wasn't the thing This is always the case. You see people scream to raving success only to ultimately fail. And we could compile a list of people who have done just that. They built great accomplishments only to see what they built fail. Why did they fall? Why the collapse? Because they lacked a foundation. We must build a foundation first. And this is what Jesus tells us in a very known parable. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words, everybody say words, of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man, everybody say wise man, who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, the rain came down, 
The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these words, everybody say words, of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man. Everybody say foolish. Who built his house on sand. Verse 27, the rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. The parable has two men who set out to build the exact same thing. They set out to build a house. You look at this story, the only thing that separates the wise and the foolish is the foundation. The wise man built on a foundation, and the foolish man did not build on the solid rock. Whatever it is that you want to build this year, you must build on a foundation first. The foundation will decide the building's success. If the foundation is not true, the building won't be true either. If the foundation isn't true, the marriage will not be true. Relationships built on untrue foundations will falter. An untrue moral foundation will not be able to withstand the tests of life. You may dream big, but is the foundation of your work ethic enough to support your big dream? This is the problem with most New Year's resolutions. We build dreams without ever considering a foundation. The foundation will decide the fate. The foundation will also decide the size. It would be a disaster to build a a skyscraper on a foundation the size of your home. We understand this? Yes. The bigger the building, the deeper, the broader and stronger a foundation is required. A taller structure requires a deeper foundation. A wide structure will require, not a surprise, a wider foundation. You want to build great things? You need a great foundation. Think about that thing you want to do. Is that thing great? I hope so. Why are you going to do it if it's not great? Well, if it's great, is your foundation great? Is your study habits great, students? Right? You want to get in great health. Is your your practice and your discipline at the kitchen table? Is it great? Want to do great things at the workplace? Better build a foundation first. Work hard. Be on time. Study up. Show leadership and dedication. Do the hard things. It's a foundation. Want to do great things in your marriage? Build a foundation first. Spend time. Work hard. Grow as a person. Correct mistakes. Admit when you're wrong. That was for somebody. I don't know who it was. I don't know who he was. It was a guy. I'm certain. Admit you're wrong and make things right. Want to do great things in God? Anybody want to do great things in God? Better build a foundation first. Work hard. You notice all these have work hard in it? You better get in the word of God if you want to do great things for God. Study to show yourself approved, it says. Serve and give and you sure better pray. Jesus Jesus equated a foundation 
to what? In his parable of the wise and foolish builder, Jesus told us, hearing his word and putting it into action was the foundation. He said it right in his parable, said it twice. But he who hears my words is like the one that is wise, the one that is foolish. The one that was wise heard the words and did them. The one that was foolish heard the words, didn't do them. I'm so glad you're here today to hear these words of God. But it's not enough to hear them. You got to put them into action. All right. We are building foundation right now. You're hearing the word of God. Will you finish the foundation by putting his word into action? That's why we're going to ask you to pray today. We're going to ask you to immediately start responding and using the word of God. That's why I believe it's so important to pray after every message. I think it's important to pray every time you've read your Bible. I think it's important to pray every time that you've worshiped because now you're taking everything that the Lord has put on you to do and you're like, I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. I'm doing it now. And you know that we need to do it now because we put things off and then they never happen. My front yard is a testimony to that. I've been meaning to mow forever and now it's like 28 degrees how do you mow when it's 20 oh gosh with God you got to do it now do it now somebody say do it now prayer is foundational his word tells you to pray will you put his word into action are you going to build that foundation worship is foundational is that happening in your life is it is the foundation of worship large enough to support all that you want to build. Are you going deep in your worship? You're going wide. The word of God is foundational. Do you read your Bible? The majority of Christians have not yet touched their Bible this year. I'm going to say that because it's true. The majority of Christians have not yet touched their Bible this year. Perhaps we have Christians with no foundation. Repentance is foundational. Baptism is foundational. Being filled with his spirit, the Holy Spirit, it's foundational. Whatever you want to build, you're going to need a foundation. So you need to build a foundation first. Remember, I told you that altars were easy to build. But foundations take work. The altar is easy to build. doesn't take much time, effort, or materials. But foundations, they're very different. Everything you build rests on the foundation that you will lay. Future generations even will rest on the foundation that you lay. It must stand up to the pressure. That foundation, you don't realize it because you're just in there playing on your computer, watching cat videos, but you don't know it. That foundation is under pressure. I'm telling you, we need some moms and dads that are so under pressure, but they're able to stand up against it so that their children never know pressure. Redemption Church, we need to be able to stand under the pressure. There's a lot of pressure going on right now. The whole COVID thing's crazy pressure. 
There's pressure all over the place. Redemption Church, we need to stand up to the pressure so the person coming in here just going, I don't know, maybe I'll find Jesus. They don't even need to know about the pressure because we're on such a rock-solid foundation. They're like, what? You were going through that? I had no idea. And we say, glory to God, do it. Oh, foundations take time, they take effort, and they take cost. We're in Ezra 3. We're reading the very next verse, verse 7. When then they gave money. Now, y'all stick with me. We're not going to take up an offering today. I'm not going to ask for money from you. But this is what happens next. They gave money to the masons and carpenters and gave food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre so that they would bring cedar logs by sea from Lebanon to Joppa as authorized by Cyrus, king of Persia. That costs money. I want to tell you that an altar won't cost you much. You pile up some dirt and you place a sacrifice on it. That's it. The sacrifice is actually the one who pays the price of the altar. The one who ultimately pays the price of the altar is the one who dies upon the altar. Jesus has already paid the price of your altar. Praise God. He paid the price to give us direct access to God, but a foundation, that's going to cost you. And that's going to cost you personally. The scripture starts, then they gave money. What'd they give? Who gave the money? The people. The people that wanted to see the building. They wanted to see the temple. They wanted to see the foundation. They wanted to see the city restored. They wanted to see God's promises come to pass. Not just for them, but for the next generation. There are things you want to build that will cost. It will cost money. And it will cost you your heart. And our Jesus told us that our heart and our money actually occupy the same place. He says, where your treasure is, there your, somebody help me, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. If if your treasure is in your wallet, that's where your heart is. Right, you understand? Okay. It will cost you your heart, it will cost you your time, and it will cost you energy. Redemption Church would not be here without people who decided to pay the cost. There are people who give, and they give in all kinds of ways. They give money. While we're talking about putting first things first, we need to talk one minute about money. Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, first fruits of all your crops. Now, this is really essential. We got like the word tithe is in this word in in the Hebrew there. Uh, The tithe, which is the first 10% 10% of your increase is also referred to as first fruits. Tithe is not an amount of money. It is a percentage. It is also not just a percentage. If you just say tithe is a percentage, it's 10%. It's not that. The tithe is the first fruits. It is the first percentage of your increase. It is not just 10% of your budget. It is the first 10%. If you're missing out on the 
firstness of giving to the Lord and surrendering to the Lord, even when you don't want to. That's where the promises are. That's where the miracles are. That's where the foundation is. You are not just reaching for the back end of your budget and go, well, we had enough to scrape together. There's that to the Lord. No, you are offering them what is first. Are you giving to God in such a way that it shows that he is first in priority in your life? If you are, then you're building a foundation that will support a lot of blessings. So the Israelites gave money to purchase the materials that would be used to build the foundation. Next, foundations take time. Ezra chapter 3 verse 8. In the second month of the second year. Somebody do the math. How many months is that? Second month of the second year. It's not a math test. 26? All right, good. There we go. Excellent. 26 months. Let's read this. 26 months after the arrival in the house of God in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Josedach, and the rest of their brothers. Thank goodness it's just the rest of their brothers. I don't want to say all their names. The priests and the Levites and all who had returned from the captivity to Jerusalem began to finish the project. No, they began to work, appointing Levites 20 years of age and older to supervise the building of the house of the Lord. Second month of the second year, that's 26 months. It does not say in the 26th month they finished the project. I wish that verse read that way. It does not read that way. It says that they just set out to build after that long period of time. They are just starting. Why so long? Why does it take so long? Because foundations take time. You have to clear the space. There are things that have to get removed in order for you to build. There are some habits that need to get uprooted from your life in order for you to build a healthy marriage there. There are unhealthy relationships that actually need to get dug up. There are some relationships that are actually clearing that need to be cleared from your life they're getting in the way you have to gather the tools and the materials not only do you clear the space but now we're getting all the tools and i hate it when i have to set down to work somewhere because it never feels i never have the tool that i need anybody i I hate that it is the worst it's the worst so you have to get everything that you need to to work And then you have to get the materials to work with. And then you have to get everything at one place. 90% of home improvement projects is driving back to Home Depot. You got to get everything. Somebody somebody bear witness with that. That was was the Lord right there. No, it's true. You got to get everything to one place. And I'm terrible at that. There's some tools and skills you need to learn. And you got to get them to the side. Also, there's some materials you need to purchase. And they've got to be there. And all this takes time. Because foundations take time. And I'm really sorry, but I have no quick, easy answers for you today. In fact, I would tell you anybody that just, you know, any pastor or preacher out there says, Oh, I got an easy, quick fix for you. Those do not exist. No, building a foundation is hard and it takes time and it will cost you. 
This step of building a foundation won't fit nicely in a checklist of things to do in a day. I like to get those checklists uh, that I can do in a day, and I'm like, oh, bam, 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 and I'm feeling so good about myself, right? It's like, I got out of bed. I will set the bar completely low just so I can have some things to check off. I combed my hair. Yes, I did today. Yeah, I'm getting things done, right? (laughs) We like all those checklists. I'm telling you, building a foundation does not go on that list of things you can do in a day. It will take time, money, effort, energy, heart, but it is worth it. Because what's going to go on that foundation and what is going to stand the test of time, what you are actually going to be able to hand down to another generation, it's worth it. It's worth it. Then in Ezra chapter 3, we've not left Ezra. Verse 10, it tells us about the foundation being laid. So now all that period of time happened. Only happened in a few verses, but it was 26 months for them to start. And now we are at the place where the foundation's being laid. When the foundations laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments, with their trumpets, and the Levites, the son of Asaph, with cymbals, (laughs) took their places to praise the Lord, as prescribed by David, king of Israel. Verse 11, with praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, he is good. His love to Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the building was done. No, because the foundation of the house was laid. Read on, verse 12. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temper temple they wept aloud when they saw this foundation of the temple being laid while many others shouted for joy so we have shouts of joy we have tears verse 13 no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far Away. Here's my next point for you. Foundations are praiseworthy. There are usually celebrations over the finished building projects. They have these things called ribbon cutting ceremonies. They put up a big fancy ribbon, right? And weird big scissors to cut the scissor to cut the, the ribbon, right? And everybody like, oh, it's completed work. That's so good. Right? You get the newspaper out there. They'll take pictures. It'll be on the evening news. Everybody's like, oh, they finished the work. And before this, nobody's there. Before this, the people with, with that actually signed the contract and paid all the price, they're out there sweating. And then they go home and they're like, I really should be back out there. And so they go back out. Nobody's celebrating this. Do you get it? The celebration usually happens when the project is done. But in Ezra 3, a great commotion is made, not over the finished temple, but over the laying of the foundation. There's rejoicing, there is music, there is weeping and crying. The priests are there. They are seeking God. They're worshiping the Lord. 
everyone who laid the foundation was moved and they were full of praise. Do we take the foundation for granted? Is it okay to rejoice over the foundation? Is it okay to be moved to tears when the foundation is being laid? Or are you waiting for the moment when it's completed? The entire project. Am I in a church that rejoices over the cross of Christ and the blood of Jesus? Am I in a church that anybody sees them lay the foundation of forgiveness that they get excited about it and they start to praise the Lord over it? Am I in a church that loves to see new souls baptized into Christ that they don't yawn when that happens? They go, yeah, you get all of that. You build a life on this. Am I in a church that loves to give towards the kingdom to see the gospel of Christ spread throughout the world? When we talk to you during our offering time about what God's doing throughout the world, do you just kind of yawn through that? Are you going like, yes, yes, let that lay a foundation. Let a great revival come on this check I'm giving to let it go to Russia. Let a great foundation be laid there. Am I in a church? that is not tired of the preaching of the word of God? Am I in a church that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Redemption Church, when was the last time we rejoiced over the foundation being laid? Oh, let me tell you, I've been in a churchy church church. Y'all know a churchy church church? I've been in a church where people came in, they gave their heart to the Lord. But someone over here, Sourpuss, Sister Sourpuss. Does anybody know Sister Sourpuss? I have met her. Met her. She, she's like, nah, I don't see them any changed. I'll see if they stick around. They're still not dressed right. I was raised in, in that churchy church with Sister Sourpuss. I'm telling you, there's a foundation being laid but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shout until I start seeing some stained glass in this temple. Y'all understand that? I'm telling you, when you see somebody start to lay a foundation, you ought to worship God that that's happening. Oh yeah. I my favorite part of service is actually looking over here and seeing some kids clap their hands and worship God. Y'all might look past that, but I'm like, oh my gosh, there is no telling. What's going to be built on the foundation of that right there. Praise God for a foundation. Redemption Church. We need to be people that rejoice over the foundation. Heaven rejoices over the foundation. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Who knows what I'm talking about? Heaven rejoices every time a foundation is laid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Every time. Luke Chapter 15, verse 7, Jesus tells us that heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. Heaven. Dude, the streets in heaven are gold. The foundation of heaven is like 12 different precious stones, right? Lapis lazuli. Did I say it right? I never said Lapis lazuli. I can never say that word. I mean, heaven is this amazing place. Heaven has their attention on earth when that sinner no one thought about. 
That sinner no one thought would ever serve God. That sinner who had done so much wrong that even their own mom doesn't want to pick up the phone. When that sinner walks in and they give their heart to God, all of heaven is focused on that foundation being laid. And they make a great shout of praise in heaven every time. Every time a foundation is laid. Why? Because heaven rejoices over the foundation called repentance. Could it be that while you are laying a foundation in your life, heaven is rejoicing? Could it be while you're working hard and you don't think anybody notices? Can you realize that angels in heaven are noticing and they're up on their feet? You're sweating under the burden of your work. But let me tell you, heaven is rejoicing. I know that you're sacrificing when you give of your time, when you give of your finances, but don't stop. You're laying a foundation and heaven is taking notice. There's a guy. He's a Gentile. His name is Cornelius. Gentiles had never been saved. Only Jews. And in Acts chapter 10, God speaks to Peter. Peter saved? Yeah, yeah. He's the one who preached the first time the gospel was ever preached. This is Peter we're talking here. God speaks to Peter and says, Peter, there's this guy named Cornelius. And the works he's doing on earth have come up before me as a memorial. As a testimony that his tithes and his offerings and his prayers have reached heaven. And God was so impressed with it that he went and told Peter about what nobody else was noticing. I'm telling you what you do on earth, heaven notices. Heaven notices the, the foundation that you are laid. And because of that, Peter went to Cornelius' house and he preached the gospel. And Cornelius And his entire family was saved. They all built an everlasting life on the foundation that no one else noticed. Only God noticed. Look at somebody say, only God notices. Like, doesn't anybody notice? Only God. Only God. Is that enough for you? Is that enough for you that God notices? Is it enough for you that heaven notices? Oh, people of God, keep working. Heaven notices. Even when I don't notice, I'm going to tell you, heaven notices. Heaven notices. Well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that what he's going to say? Well done, good and faithful servant. So I, I, I guarantee you, half of the people there are going to be like, well done. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? He's talking about everything. He didn't miss a thing. <laughs> my favorite thing about God, real quick. All right, this is my favorite thing about God. When I ask him to forgive me, he forgets all the foul, bad things I've ever done. But it's not like a men in black thing where you go zip and he forgets everything, right? Because while he has forgiven every bad thing I've ever done, he still remembers every good thing I've ever done. I don't deserve that, but I get that in the Lord. I don't deserve it. I'm telling you today, he could forget every bad thing you've ever done and also celebrate every good thing that you've ever done. And if you, for, if you repent, he doesn't, all, all he remembers about you is the good that you've done. It's a pretty good deal. 
You should take, and it's, and it's free. All right, there you go. Everyone rejoices over the finished product. But I dare you to rejoice right now by faith over the foundation. Because there's a foundation. One day there's going to be a better home on it. There's going to be a better career on it. There's going to be a better ministry for you on it. There's going to be a better marriage. There's going to be better health. There's going to be better. Everybody say better. You will have no future greater than your foundation. There is no future greater than your foundation. I've told you that foundation defines what you're going to build. You won't build larger than your foundation. So if you want to build a great life, what should your foundation look like? If you're looking for a blessed home, love and marriage with kids who actually don't hate you but respect you. That's a rarity today. Kids that actually love you. And don't cuss at you. You've all seen it. We have seen kids cuss at their parents. My God. If you want that kind of life. What kind of foundation will you build? If you want to be used by God. If you want to be a help to other people. If you want to leave your mark on this earth. Then what are you doing about a foundation? Do you want a life far beyond ordinary? Then you need a foundation far beyond ordinary. You will need a foundation that is up to the strength and stability of the object you're going to be building. So what will your foundation be? As I'm drawing to a close, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us about such a life that is built to be extra ordinary. Ephesians 2 and 19, consequently you are no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens with God's people Members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in him, who's the him? Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in Lord. Notice he's only talked about a foundation yet. He talked about the foundation. But when Jesus Christ is that foundation. The whole building is joined together. And it rises. Somebody needs to receive that right now. In Jesus Christ. All your dreams. Coming together. And they are going to rise. To become a holy temple. In the Lord. Verse 22. And in him. Who's the him? It's Jesus. You too. Are being built together. To become a dwelling. In which God lives. By his spirit. Everything we've read in Ezra. Is about a physical building. Where God's presence lives. Now he's talking about. You are going to be built up. By this foundation of Jesus Christ. And that God's very spirit. Is going to live where? It's going to live in you. Somebody point at yourself. It's going to live right here. It's going to live right here. I want to tell you today. That you aren't just a nobody. You are a member of God's family. The most important family on the face of the planet. You are built on the foundation of God's word. The apostles and the prophets. If that's not enough. Jesus Christ himself. The word. 
He is your chief cornerstone. And now you are a living dwelling place for God's spirit. God wants to live inside of you. If you want that kind of life, then I want to pray with you today. We're going to be looking uh, to, to take these next few moments talk to God in this place. I would love for you to build an altar in this place today. If you want special prayer, why don't you come into the first two feet and I will pray with you. If we could all stand all over this place over the next few moments, I want you to pray to God. Everyone watching, listening online, everyone in person with us, we're going to talk to God. If you want For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.